Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It was Tampa Bay over Kansas City all over again. You know, they haven't lost to them since November. This time, the Rays beat the Royals by a touchdown, 14-7. to They bang out 17 hits, including home runs by Brandon Lau, Austin Meadows, and Mike Zanino. The Lightning, meanwhile, they lose to Carolina on their back-to-back day, 4-1, to including an empty netter. little surprise, Andre Vasilevsky started in net on the back-to-back nights. First time since the playoffs, hadn't done it in the regular season for a number of years. We'll get into that. And and how have the Bucks drafts suddenly gotten better over the last few years? Well, they rarely miss on the player. Now they don't miss on the person either. We'll discuss all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, we'll get into the, uh, the Rays and the Royals here in just a minute. But speaking of the Rays and Royals. Do you see where it was about a day ago when they started the series? Salvatore Perez, their catcher for the Royals, was, uh, I guess he lost a bet to Brett Phillips mm-hmm. on the Super Bowl. And um, I don't know if money was exchanged, but uh, at any rate, uh, Salvatore Perez had agreed to wear a Tom Brady jersey during batting practice. And he wasn't happy about it because he was interviewed and he still said, you know, go Chiefs and all that kind of and thing. And Mahomes is the best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Pat, I was still a Patrick Mahomes guy and all that. Uh, what was interesting, however, uh, is that the, uh, the the Royals tweeted out, sometimes words speak louder than actions. And and I guess what they meant was Perez kept his word, um, you know, that, that he would uh, he, he would wear the Brady jersey but still maintain his loyalty mm-hmm. towards Mahomes. Brady then retweeted it and said, nah, I think actions always speak louder than words. And then Patrick Mahomes jumps in the ring and says, I guess we'll see in 20 years. That's some really deep, deep social media there when you think about like all their positions. Uh, just just a tremendous exchange. I mean, the funny thing about Brady, and, and it's undeniable, and it doesn't matter, you know, he's 43, looks like he's going on 33. Uh, we saw him at the uh, Bruce Arians, you know, golf outing uh, the other night on Sunday night when he came out there in his three three city tour that day. Um, the guy will forever have the chip, you know, he just will, and he 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 relishes it. He wears it. It doesn't matter that he's won seven Super Bowls. It won't matter when he wins eight or nine or ten, because then it'll be about you know you said I was too old, um, but he's always that guy that was taken 199 in the draft and he always will be and and he is obsessed um and he uses every little thing he can find um you know to sort of fuel him and I think a lot of the really great players do and they they always have we saw you know the the documentary on Michael Jordan how he, if he didn't have anything that particular day or week or night he would make something up that somebody said and they really didn't say it um but it's just it, it was funny to me that that exchange went on. Well, more importantly, in 20 years, as Patrick Mahomes 
Which team will Tom Brady be taking to the Super Bowl at that point? <laughs> right. Exactly. Do you think he'll be done in 20 years? Come on. He'd be 63 years old. I would hope that he's done. <laughs> Uh, but I guess we will see. It's also damn optimistic of uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, to think that 20 years will make a difference. But, um, you know, even before the Super Bowl, we were, we all wrote stories about, you know, how, you know, it was the goat and the kid. And, you know, this could be the uh, the, the, the changing, you know, of, of the baton or the passing of the baton um, from today's greatest quarterback uh, or from yesterday's greatest quarterback to today's. Um, but but what Brady showed is that he's not done yet, and and Mahomes, I I don't know that Mahomes could have played any better, and I, and I mean that because he made some throws oh from some goodness. positions oh that <laughs> that nobody would attempt. I mean, especially the one where he was literally parallel to the ground, and not just throws, not just getting out of like you know incredible vices and and scrambling around. Had his had his teammates made some catches that that were actually right in their face, and one time Ty Hill, the, the ball bounced off his face mask. Um, you know, they would have been the greatest throws in Super Bowl history. They still may be the greatest throws, but they just weren't the greatest completions. Uh, but he just had no chance because his offensive line was a sieve, and you know, Shaq Barrett and and all those guys really got after him that particular day. They didn't score a touchdown, so um, you give the Bucks all the credit in the world, but. You know, it's it's still a long, long way to catch Tom Brady. I mean, you just forget that, you know, Brady is going to try to win, you know, back-to-back Super Bowls. He's done that before. He's the last guy to do that, the last team being the Patriots in 03-04, I believe. Um, and I was looking at this today. There's only been about, what, six or seven teams that have won back-to-back Super Bowls, uh, starting with the Green Bay Packers, who won Super Bowl one and two, which you can, you know, insert uh the the degree of difficulty there because that was the afl the the old afl which wasn't as good of a league at that time uh, when they would play them in the super bowl Um, but nobody in in nfl history has ever won three in a row so that just goes to show you you know that's happened Mm -hmm. in the nba a couple of times it goes to show you how hard it is in the nfl to even win back to back yeah i mean Um, the cowboys won three out of four they won three in four years that's correct and I, I think the 49ers had a similar run. I don't know if it's three out of four, but yeah. it was. And the Steelers won, what, four and seven or something like that? Yep. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. It could be off a year or something, but it's close to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were dominant. And, they, they, you know, I mean, you can go back and say that, you know, the, the, that the, really the 49ers were the team of the 80s, the Cowboys were the team of the 90s, and the Patriots, you know, the team of the 2000s. Um, each they're each just, franchise they're just a team of the 21st century. I mean, period. Well, they are. Yeah, they are now. Um, Tom Brady is for sure, but um, but yeah, kind kind of interesting. Kind of kind of interesting that the uh, the back and forth and man, if you're a Kansas City fan, you, you're kind of seeing tired of seeing Tampa Bay show up any, anywhere anyhow because uh, the Royals were going really really well until this series. Well, you know, you got to field the ball. Oh God, they're bad defensively. I mean, right off the bat, um, they got a double play ball that the second baseman kicks, and that that leads to a run. And, and they, you know, they had the errors the other night. Um, they look really bad. It is so cold in Kansas City right now. That doesn't I mean, that doesn't help fielding. No, it doesn't. But you know what was funny was the night before they were all talking about how oh man, hard to come by. Runs are hard to come by. You know, it's hard to hit in this weather now. It's really hard, and it is. It's it's not hard to hit. It just hurts when you don't hit hit the barrel. You know what I'm saying? Like the bees are out, as we used to call it, uh, especially with wooden bats. And so you, you get that 
horrible vibration and, and the ball doesn't carry as well, you know, in, in the light air and stuff like that. But, um, but at the end of the day, uh, they didn't have any trouble hitting in this game. I'll tell you what, the Rays offense broke out. This is, this is, you know, you're not always going to bang out 14 runs and 17 hits, obviously. And that's, you know, that's a season high in, in both categories. But if you imagine what the Rays put together and what they had last year and what they think this offense can be, they're not, you know, going to be necessarily carried by any one guy. Um, you know, Brandon Lau has the ability, I think, to hit, you know, 30 home runs. Austin Meadows has done it. Um, you know, Meadows is off to an okay start. Lau's really struggled, but he hit a home run, you know, on uh, Tuesday night. And maybe his bat's starting to come around. Obviously, we know Randy Rosarina uh, had, you know, a postseason for the ages, but he's got to learn to be consistent through 162 games, which is a totally different challenge. But but if you look at them up and down the lineup collectively, if they can get anything um, out of Yoshi Susugo, who had two RBIs, um, by the way, if they can get you know the occasional you know run in homer from Mike Zanino, you know their ninth place hitter, Kevin Kiermeyer is starting to come back into the lineup now after being out. He had a couple of hits, so you know you can uh, when you look at this lineup, you know top to bottom, um, there are nice pieces. If if you know they they can uh, pick each other up on certain nights or collectively have a big night, and this is sort of what Kevin Cash envisioned. What's wild about this whole road trip is that you go back and you think about them losing three out of four to the Rangers, right? And and maybe look, the Rangers pitching is probably a lot better than people realize, and and, and may that may prove to be the case throughout the year. Um, some of those games they they were just out pitched, but they were in a funk. I mean this this team was not hitting anything and they weren't playing very well in general and then they go up to the Yankees and there's something about playing the Yankees who who they have dominated um you know over these last couple of years and and whatever it is you know the the bean balls or um you know just the the long history that they have or playing against you know uh the evil empire whatever that is got these guys really engaged really fired up and now they're on a 5 and 0 road trip and the Royals were playing really really well until till Tampa Bay got there. So this has been a remarkable turnaround uh at a time when, you know, I was ready to say, mm, I don't I don't and I still look, I still don't know uh and I'm fairly convinced that the the pitching as it sits right now as and, and we're a long way from September, much less October. But as it stands right now, I don't think if they went into a postseason series, that that they have, say, three starters, you know, that that you're going to feel really great about, um, you know, starting games in a series, and, and maybe maybe they have to do it a different way with an opener or something like that, and bulk inning guys, but it's not going to be like a year ago in my mind, at least the way it's constituted. Now, you know, if um, if Brent Honeywell gets built up and he gets to pitch a little longer, uh, you know, that he may become that guy, right, that, that's added to the rotation that could be dominant. Well, they gotta, they got to stop getting guys hurt. I mean, Cody Reed's now on the injured list. You're right. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, Honeywell, you, you want to stretch out. You're hoping Luis Patino, who they got in the Blake Snell trade, you're trying to stretch him out at the alternate yep. site right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they have some more on Shane McC- McClanahan we haven't seen yet. That's right. Stretch him out, too. 
I mean, you know, they do have arms. The question is, especially at the rate they're getting hurt, is do they have enough of them? Uh, right. Particularly when you're trying to replace Charlie Morton and Blake Snell's innings. And, you know, guys that can go deeper into games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they got they got some big outs. I mean, you know, like I said, uh, Hill has been his last two starts. He's been pretty good. This one not so good. They gave him a five to nothing lead. All of a sudden, it's five four, and there's men on base. And you know, credit uh, Kittredge got the biggest outs of the game. Um, you know, before uh, before Honeywell got in. But I wonder if the uh, weather was affecting Hill. I mean, could have been. You know, I mean, it's. It, it, I'll tell you why you're right. You're right about it. I think it did, and here's why. When you pitch in the cold, grip is an issue, mm-hmm. right? It just is. And for a guy that throws a ton of breaking balls, when I watched him, the ball wasn't he, – he didn't have the curve ball, much less the location, but mm-hmm. he just didn't have a good feel for it. it, it he wasn't breaking it off the way he does, you know, 12 to 6. And um, it, it was just sort of hanging in the zone. And and I think for a guy like Honeywood – I'm sorry, for a guy like Hill – that might have actually been a factor, you know, because uh, just the way he pitches. He just, he didn't he never looked comfortable to me on the mound, you know, on this night. Yeah, I mean, the weather I mean, that's, you know, we always know early in the season, you know, pitching can be erratic. Mhm. Uh, but when you start factoring in cold weather, it can really make it erratic. And, and some and, guys handle it better yeah. than others, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're a guy who relies on the breaking stuff, Mm-hmm. You know the, that cold weather can be tough, and the up downs. He's forty one years old, mm-hmm. right? So it's a little different going into the dugout and sitting there, and the Rays are batting around. You know they're having big long innings, okay? Um, and you're you're trying to stay warm and trying to stay loose on the bench, you know, in thirty nine degree weather. That's that's different than doing it, you know, in June or July. So. That's a great observation and one that I really didn't think about, but I think you're right. I think that I think that in this case, even though they said in the night earlier that the pitching had an advantage, I, I, I'm not sure that Hill did. It's it's a it's a great point. Um, Joey Wendell, man, that guy, three more hits. <laughs> he just he's just raking right now. All he does is hit. All he does is hit. It's all he does. And field, and field, because he does it good there too. <laughs> the guy's an all star right now. I mean, seriously, he's like their most valuable player. Um, just he's batting third in the lineup now, so Kevin Cash is going to ride him as long as he can. I can't really blame him for it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. All right. Meanwhile, you were at the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning's game at Emily Arena, and they had their back-to-back, of course, uh, with the Carolina Hurricane, which mm-hmm. here's the thing that I'm convinced. Here's what I know and all that I know. Here's what you Carol, think you think. Here's what here's what I think I think is Peter King would say. I think Carolina's really good. Yes. I think they're sneaky good. No, not even sneaky no. good. I think everybody knows they're good. Mm-hmm. And here's a stat that I think was remarkable when I saw it on the broadcast. 
They have three goaltenders who have won 10 games this year. Yeah. It was remarkable. that They, they got some mm-hmm. – you talk about goaltending now? They got some depth, which brings us to what I thought was a surprise. I'll Apparently the Lightning don't need any depth. <laughs> no. They, they're going to ride their guy to death. Um, I didn't see it coming. I, I mean, I know it was, it's a big series, um, but – to have Vassy go back to back, which I, I guess you know he did in the bubble when 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 you know the playoffs were, were scheduled was kind of wacky. Yeah, they were cramming um, but, games but you said together. Be- yeah, they were cramming them together. To yeah, get them in the bubble, but to get them over with, you know. And um, but but you said before, and and look, I mean, he one of those was a five overtime game, not the back to back. But I'm just saying, he played he played every minute of every game. Um, but what I didn't realize is you said he hadn't done this in the regular season for a lot of years. 2017 was the last time in the regular yeah. season he started back-to-back games. Yeah. Um, I, I was shocked. I, 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 I guess I won't say sh- I, I was very surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, we were getting ready for the pregame show to start. And what, Vazzy's leading them out? I mean, you know, we were expecting McElhaney. Now, I say that going, we know McElhaney a couple weeks ago missed a start. Because he tweaked something. Remember, Christopher Gibson came out. Right, uh, it was on a Sunday day game. Uh, Easter yes, sir. Sunday. I was Easter I Sunday. was there. Yeah. We yeah. were walking in, and we see this guy skate out, and my my little girl goes. I, I said, "Oh, that's that." You know, Vassy's not playing. That's Magdalene. She goes, "No, it's not." Look at his number. And I was like, "Whoa, who's this dude?" Yep. So we know he tweaked something. We don't know what, and, and you know, presumably he's better, and he's played since then. But perhaps there's something with Magdalene, or secondarily, you could say it's a big game and they wanted Vazzy to, to play this and, and trying to, if they want to win the division, you know, winning on Tuesday night would have been helpful because now you're three points behind Carolina and they have a yep. game in hand on you. Although yep. I don't think that being in first place is the Lightning's end, end goal. I don't, think, I don't think they're that concerned about it. I think they'd like to finish first, but it's not, it's, it's not what they're, they're playing for at this point. Or, and the other part of this is, we don't know what the playoff schedule is going to look like. And we, in a normal year, you don't really play back-to-backs in the playoffs unless there's an arena scheduling issue. Uh, you know, I remember a handful over the years of, you know, there's a concert this night and this night, so you've got to play back-to-back to get it in, at, whether it's at Amelie or the opposing arena, whatever. Um, we've also seen some where you have an extra day off in between because of concerts between games and, and such. So, but with COVID, with some teams having issues at this point, are they going to have a playoff schedule more similar to last year where it was a ton of games quickly because they were trying to get through the bubble as quick as possible? I, I don't know if they're going to do that this year. And so maybe the Lightning are preparing for that and you know wanted to give Vasilevsky a chance at a back-to-back. And, and just to... Not that he can't handle it, because you know, I mean, you know, you look at the shape he's in and his age and everything else. That's there's not a question of that, but it's just the, you know, mentally preparing for it and, and things like that, so that if it comes up in the playoffs, he's ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, John Cooper after the game was asked, and he, all he said is, "This was our plan." He didn't elaborate any further. So, um, that you know, he basically said they planned to to play Vasilevsky in this back to back. What that means, and you know, if that's really what happened, or if McElhinney's got an issue, or if it's just Vazzy 
just said, hey, I, I really want to play today. I mean, you know, it could have just been that, too. So mm-hmm. I feel good. I really want to play today. And they put him in. I, who, I mean, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, big... I, I, I wouldn't say I was shocked, but I was, it, it caught us off guard. We weren't prepared for that. I mean, we were fully expecting McElhaney. Right. I, I know I was. I was surprised when I turned the game on and, and, and he was in net. And, you know, we, we, you know, the one thing about hockey, right, they don't share a ton of information about injuries. We know that he's, he's obviously had some. And, and it's a, it was a big game. It was a big game. You know, I mean, th- this is uh, something that he might have to do in the play. All that stuff makes sense to me. But what I'm wondering, just based on the way the year has gone from, from McElhinney, is are they losing any confidence in him for whatever reason? In other words, and, and look, the defense absolutely hung him out to dry, right? Uh, there's a seven-goal game not, you know, when he came back from injury. Um, but on the whole, it's not a good record. You know, we saw Louis Domingue win, what, 10 mm-hmm. in a row. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And And when you see that, you go – well, that's a really good hockey team, first and foremost, mm-hmm. and they're playing really good around the backup goaltender. But you also take your hat off to the goaltender because that's a hard – that is the job. It's not an easy job. You're not playing every day. You're, you're, you're barely playing once a week, um, if that. And, and yet that, that's the job, right? You, you've, you've got to find a way to be prepared and, and not have a huge drop-off when you're, when you're, when you're in net. Um, and, and to date, I, I don't know – First of all, you can't lose the best player in the league, right? Which is, which is Vassy, and and expect to have great results. I don't care which what team you are. If you mm-hmm. lose your starting goaltender, you're not going to feel great about your your chances. But man, if you needed a game from the backup goaltender right now, I don't know that I would be entirely confident with the way things have gone this year, or at least of late. Well, I, I guess the, the the thing you have to ask is why have things gone the way they have this year? Yeah, is it? He's just not playing well, and and you know he's an older goalie. Maybe the age is catching up to him, or, sure, or is be. he hurt? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. we know he missed a start. You know, what two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Well, he definitely is hurt. I yeah, mean, I mean, we you know, know yeah, so they didn't play him. You know, I mean, the other part is, have they lost confidence in him? I don't think so. But if he's not a hundred percent, and he's not as good as Andre Vasilevsky, because nobody is, then yeah, I mean, your your performance is going to suffer. What? What always troubles me is when the backup comes in is when the the defense in front of them does not doesn't well. bear down or yeah does you know yeah. starts giving up it gets loose yeah um, you know you you almost want it to be where your it's backups in you're playing better I mean you know Vassy's got your back so you can take some chances but that's right you know Louis Domingue's in or Curtis McIlhenny or Christopher Gibson or whoever's back there. That's right. You know, we've got to pay more attention to this end of the ice instead of the other end tonight. Right, right. You know, and, and sometimes Seems like that they do the happened. opposite. Yeah, yeah I mean, sometimes they, they just. You know, and, and give the other team credit. And, and, you know, some of it, a lot of times, McElhinney's playing in back-to-back. So you have the fatigue factor of that and everything that goes into it. I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't think the energy tonight in the game from either team was matched what it was Monday night. Although I think Carolina got a lot of jump in the second period. I think yeah. I think Mikhail Sergachev's penalty at the end of the first was was you can't take that penalty there, mm-hmm. and, and and I know he thinks that Trocheck did something to him earlier, but right in front of the officials, there's no need for that, and he takes that penalty. They take a power play to start the second. They don't score on it, but they just from they yeah, just momentum. they had jump from it from the beginning, and then they score the two quick goals a few minutes later. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that was the game. I mean, I thought the Lightning played a good first period. Um, you, you know, they played really well Monday night. I thought they played a good first period. They, but then Carolina got the jump once Sergeyev was in the box, and and they took a couple other penalties. And you know, they. I mean, I, the third period I thought they did okay. The second period they were they were loose and all over the place, and and they paid for it. And they went down three nothing. Braden Point got a goal back quickly and make it three one. But mm-hmm. um, you know, but Carol, but to your initial premise, Carolina is a very good team. They absolutely are. I mean, they were good last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're better. They're faster. I mean, if you look at Florida and Carolina, Carolina more so than Florida even, but um, they're built a lot like the Lightning. Mm-hmm. They forecheck. They're relentless. They're fast. Um, you, you know, they just put so much pressure on you, and they don't let up. Um, they're built a lot like the Lightning. Um, I think Florida plays a little better defense than both those teams. And they're fast, but I don't think they're they're as, they're not quite as relentless on the forecheck as say the Lightning and, and the Hurricane are. Um, you know, there's three good teams in this division. You know, this realigned division this year, and then the other teams, you know, probably Dallas. Maybe it's going to be Nashville. Chicago's fading, but still in the hunt. Columbus and Detroit are out. I mean, they're not mm-hmm. eliminated yet, but they're out. Um, right. You know, one of those teams are going to take the fourth seed, and and you know, really, but. Brian Engblom brought up something, and you know, and he was listening to John Cooper in the post game, and he said, "You know, one of the hardest part about this season is you know everything else that goes into it, but in the Lightning look, first of all, would they like to finish first in the division? Sure, but are they are they really willing to put the effort into it to where it's win at all costs at every game, like they did to get to sixty two wins two years ago and then get swept out of the playoffs? No, that's not their priority." I don't know that they're. That's mutually exclusive. Well, no, no, In other no, words, no, no, no. like just because you go for right. the first place doesn't mean that you're gonna you're gonna go out quickly and, and you know you're gonna expend too much energy. Um, I would think with fans in the building, they'd absolutely want home ice for as long as they could sure. have it. Well, right? I I, I'm, I guess I'm talking more the mental part of it, the grind of it. Yeah, the, you know the grind of you know I I think I think part of what happened in the year they won sixty two. I think there was two things that happened. One, Victor Hedman. Played the first two games of the, of the playoffs, but wasn't himself because he had the concussion, mm-hmm. and, and that completely messed up their back end. And I, you know, I don't think they lose game one after they took the three zero lead if Hedman was healthy, right? But two, the other part is I think mentally they were pushing so hard for so long to get to sixty two, even though they they said all the right things, they weren't. But if you saw the way they played on the ice, they were, and I think they exhaled at the end of the season. And boom, those mm-hmm. playoffs hit, and and added Victor Hedman's not healthy, and wow, they were gone quick. I think the and here's what the point Brian brought up tonight is: so you're going through this season, <clears throat> everything's condensed. You're playing, you know, particularly because you had some COVID issues at the beginning with Dallas, and then weather issues in Dallas, and the schedules got changed, and everything's crunched together. But mentally, you're not going to Anaheim to play a team, or Minnesota, or Vancouver or Boston, you're playing the same seven teams over mm. and over and over. And mentally, you know, is that – I don't want to say – just mentally, is that wearing of just kind of like, here we go again. You know, here's game eight. You never play a team eight times in a season. You play them no, four, four to but five. But here, here's mean, what I would say about that. So is Carolina. 
So oh, is ab- Florida. Absolutely, absolutely. It's- and 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 it's true that they're the. Here's the difference: they're the hunted, mm-hmm. right? The other teams are the hunter. The other teams are always going to measure themselves. Maybe they have a little pep in their step. Maybe they maybe mm-hmm. they're um, a little more geeked up about it because they don't have the hardware and and the lightning do. Um, I would also say that you know the postseason is not the regular season. You're absolutely right. You know mm-hmm. what what you do in the regular season doesn't mean squat. They proved it a couple of years ago when they, they tied the record for, mm-hmm. the, for the most points. Um, but but you do want to be playing really well going into the playoffs. You know, you, you, you mm-hmm. don't – you know, they're down to less than, what, a, a dozen games Ten now. games. Ten games left. So, t- so ten games, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be over in a blink. Mm-hmm. And you do want to be playing your best hockey. I think, I think there is some correlation mm-hmm. to teams that are hot going into the postseason. Um, and, and here's the thing. Guess who they're going to see? Mm-hmm. Pretty early on, Florida or Carolina, that's who they're going to see. Yeah, um, and you know they may have to so, go through both. If you don't get the first seed, you may have to go through both. So right. So psychologically, if and it's been a pretty even for for all both all all those teams. They've, I don't know what the records are against each other, but I think mm-hmm. the Lightning have been either one game ahead or or you know split series with almost all of them against Carolina. Both teams have won four. Yeah, uh, Lightning still have to play uh, Florida for two more games at the end of the season. Right, so it's pretty close. I mean, there's not you know when one team doesn't have the, a huge advantage over the other one mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. um, but you know they're the same teams. You're going to have to dial up the intensity when it matters. Now, can you do that? Well, it would help if you had your captain Steven Stamkos back. Mm-hmm. It certainly will help if you get Nikita Kucherov. I think without having those guys, they're struggling trying to score. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's, there's, they're struggling a little bit. Look at the it's, top line. Braden Point, an all-world player. Yeah. But Andre Palat's a, a, a great winger on that line, but he's a mm-hmm. grinder. He's going to go get – you know, there's no one to help Braden Point on that line. That's right. And they've tried Alex Barry-Boulay. They've tried Blake Coleman. They've put Tyler mm-hmm. Johnson. They've, you're missing all-world – two all-world players right now in Stamkos and Kucherov. Yep. And and, and – it makes Braden Point have to work twice as hard to get half the goals mm-hmm. or production. I mean, you know, is that, you know, I mean, they, the Lightning have a ton of great forwards, but not like Kucherov and, and Stamkos. I mean, you put Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos, those are your elite, elite forwards on this team. Right. You've got others that are really good, and some may get to elite at some point. You know, you're, you've went from three to one now for the last few weeks, and, mm-hmm. and that impacts the team too, and they're, tr- they're struggling to score. Yeah, no doubt. And and when he skates through the middle of the zone as he, as he mm-hmm. always does, they they don't have to pay quite as much attention to Kucherov or Stamkos or whoever is with him. Um, you know, yeah, but right got, now they he, just focus on Braden Point. I mean, they of just, course, they're all over him. And why wouldn't you be? Absolutely, right? absolutely. Because he was a playmaker, but you had to worry about the other guys. You know, uh, getting mm-hmm. shots. So yeah, all all that is is a big ball of it, right? It's all mm-hmm. in there somewhere, and. Um, the question, you know. the question is, and we're not going to know. We've got you know a little under three weeks left in the regular season. Is can this team turn it on and take it to another level in the playoffs? I tend to th- give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, knowing you know what this core has been through for many years now, not just last year in the Cup run, but you know from winning sixty two and being knocked out, from being up three two against Pittsburgh and Washington in the Eastern Conference Finals and losing. Uh, in 16 and 18, you know, all this together, do you, do you think they can turn it on? I I think they can, 
But as you get closer and closer to the end of the regular season, you'd like to see them playing better than they are now. Yeah, to, to, no, that's to fair. Keep, keep that hope going. I mean, when it was twenty games away, you're like, yeah, you know, you're in the you're you're in dog days, and you have some bad games. But now you're you're now you're getting in the final ten games now. Yeah, and, and granted, you only have two against Florida left as far as the top teams. Right, you've got Columbus in this weekend. They're a mess right now. Right, you know, you should be able to. to you, you you need to win both those games. If you, if it takes overtime, fine, doesn't matter. But I think you need to win the two this weekend, Thursday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, meanwhile, I agree. meanwhile, Carolina and Florida are playing each other at the same time, so that helps you in the standings too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, they could still finish first. They're not that far out, but um, they're they're also not that far removed from a four game losing streak. Then they won mm-hmm. two, then they lost. Mm-hmm. So you know, they're they're not exactly what probably around five hundred in their last ten or twelve games or so. I think someone um, said they're six and eight in their last fourteen. Yeah, if I heard that go. properly that, tonight, that sounds I, 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 I don't know. Right. That's a I don't I can't say it's one hundred percent correct. But that but. sounds about right. I was going to say five hundred. They're yeah. right around there, but not much, not much better, and probably a couple games under. So that's not the way you want to be playing these last ten games. Um, no. You don't want to go, you know, you don't want to go four and six. You don't want to go five and mm-hmm. five. You'd like to get a little bit of momentum and. Um, you know, and, and and be playing well, and 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 but but you know, it's a second season. We're expecting maybe Kucherov to be potentially back sometime in May, mid-May, which is you know just about the end of the season. I'm, I mean, who knows? At least by the playoffs, Stamkos, same thing. We don't know what he has, so they've uh, they've got to find a way to win games without you know their uh, superstars. And that's not easy to do. Um, let's talk about the Bucks just real quick here, and we'll get out. Uh, I wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times, and you can read it on TampaBay.com. Had a chance to talk to not just with Jason Light, but also, um, you know, uh, Mike Beal, who is their uh, director of uh, college scouting, and, and uh, as well as John Spytek, their um, player personnel director over there. The Bucks. I think one thing that, that doesn't get as much attention, it's not the Bucks' fault, I mean, because Jason Light mentions these guys all the time, is, um, you know, you think about the general manager uh, and what that job is. It entails an awful lot, okay? It's not, it's not only personnel. I mean, pretty much anything that happens in the football building passes past the, the general manager's desk. He spends an inordinate amount of time worrying about things that you and I may never hear about, right? Um and anything from, you know, a player's issues off the field uh, to designing rings, which he was part of uh, for the Super Bowl rings. Yeah, but that, that's you know, a, that's a job everyone was volunteering. For. Well, we all we all want to do that, but but nonetheless, it's still something that he has to do during a time when they're you know very very busy and they played an extra five weeks and all that. So he's got a staff and he's got a group of scouts that they have hired. Um, and that's really the lifeblood of any organization, right? It's, it's that GM's ability to put together a scouting staff and, more importantly, have people in the front office. We've talked a lot about Mike Greenberg, um, you know, the director of football administration that does uh, their contracts. Um, you know, Spy Tech, who had come over from Denver, uh, that sort of runs the front office when the GM is not there, and, and then Mike uh, doing the college scouting. But all their scouts, they have some really good ones um, we've, we've seen the drafts. We've seen them find these guys, division three, two all over the place, you know, offensive linemen in particular. So th- they've done a better job. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, 2016. Woof, right? What a draft that was. Okay. 
Um, what they learned from that with, with what Vernon Hargraves going 11 overall, the second round pick was Noah Spence who never really found a home or a position. Um, you know, they drafted uh, Roberto Aguayo that year. Uh, I'm not sure any player remains just from 2016, which, which wasn't that many years ago. Um, and, you know, in, in talking to, to spy tech and those guys and, and Mike Beal, um, you know, first of all, talent wins, right? I mean, you know, the most talented team, you have to have talent guys that are drafted in the NFL are all talented players. Um, and that's, that's a big part of it. You got to look at the film. You, you've got to see production. You want guys to be productive at the level that they played. If they played in a lower level than division one, you want them to, to be dominant. Uh, if they played division one, you want to see them against the better competition really stand out. You know, you guys can have numbers and sacks, Who'd they get them against? You know, that sort of thing. So there's the talent part of it. But you know what's bigger and has and the Bucks have done a better job of, and that's what I said in the open, um, they'll tell you that they haven't missed that much on the player. Where they've missed is on the person. Where they've missed is finding the, the guy with the right makeup um, who can handle what is is a man's game. I mean, you know, you come to the NFL, you're, you know, sometimes 20, 21 years old, sometimes 20 years old. Um, depending on how many years they played in college, and and you are playing against grown ass men. Uh, look, I mean, Tom Brady, his career is as old as Tristan Wirfs was, right? His whole entire career, uh, he had been in the NFL as long as Wirfs had been on this earth. So you know, th- those guys have families. They have, you know, it, it's a different, it's a different deal, um, and and you've got to be able to handle. Um, you know, what, what was a game and is now a business and, and it's a job uh, and it can feel that way. And you've got such a learning curve that, you know, you're going to have adversity. And, and these guys, most of these guys have had some kind of adversity through their lives. What the Bucks have done a better job of is identifying those guys that have overcome it, right? And it doesn't mean that you can't be a great NFL player unless you've struggled somewhere in life. That's not what we're talking about. I mean, you know, I'm sure in his own way, John Lynch had adversity, but you know, we used to joke about John was like, Oh yeah, you think it's, you think it's hard coming from a tough background and making it in the NFL, try doing it with a silver spoon. I mean, John, John's families were as, as, uh, as, you know, successful and as well off and everything else, um, you know, and his wives as well. So, uh, but John certainly had the fire and, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure he overcame a lot of things in his life that we we didn't we take for granted. Um, so, but you know, so so all these guys they look at what has happened and, and how they've dealt with adversity. The other thing that they've done a better job of, and Greg Popovich wrote about this in his book, and, and the Bucks have read it and they've looked at it, is that you know there are guys, um, and Devin White's a good example of this. Uh, there are guys who are again great football players, right? You go to LSU. And there's a lot of NFL football players that come out of LSU. And the Bucks have drafted many of them. And you go to LSU and you see that program, and you'll see a lot of players. Um, they, only, well, they only need like a 2-0 to, to be eligible. Um, but you'll see grade point averages all over the board. But you'll see, you'll see guys, you know, making a 2-5 or I don't know what the average is um, for, uh, for their football team. But not everybody is an A or a B student, right? And nor do they have to be because, you know, a lot of them uh, want a college degree and that's why they went to LSU. But they also uh, their goal is 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 to make it to the NFL. Their goal is to be eligible. 
uh, and they do what's required. And it's not easy when you're spending that much time playing football. I mean, this is college. It's not, you know, you don't you don't get the breaks that you might get in high school. So you have to do the work. So they'll look at these guys and they'll see the grade and they'll look at their grade point average. And in the case of Devin White, he was over a 3.0. You know, Derek Brooks was this way at Florida State. Um, you know, he, he was a, a, a B-plus student at Florida State. And what does that say to you? Well, you know what it says? It says the guy's an achiever, sometimes an overachiever. In other words, it matters to him. When he does something, he didn't need to make a three-something, right, GPA. But it says to you that, you know, if he's going to do something, he wants to achieve. He wants to go out there and, and be the best version of himself he can be, and he's going to put forth effort, right? And so when you're asking guys to come into the NFL and, you know, bond with a team and sacrifice, uh, you know, maybe in the case, you know, look at this football team. You got, you got a guy like Mike Evans, right, going for his seventh straight 1,000-yard season. Well, Mike says, oh, okay, so Chris Godwin is going to be a more featured target or like he was last year. Okay, that's fine. Oh, we're going to bring in Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, we're going to have Gronkowski take some 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 touchdowns and some red zone opportunities away from me and, and get some targets. Oh, that's fine. Um, oh, Leonard Fournette. So, you know, all of that he accepted because why? He wanted to win. He's got some character. He's able to overcome his, you know, the, the personal adversity of having to give up some numbers. He had a record he was pursuing, and, and he barely got it. Um, but, you know, same thing with the injuries that he endured. So when you know enough about these guys, you know how they're going to react uh, to things. And I think, you know, this draft they had last year, I'm on record as saying um, the Devin White draft was really, really good, really good. And Devin White, look, Devin White may end up, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame himself. Uh, we don't know what his future is, but I would, take, I would take stock in it if you could buy it. Boy, the same is true about this last year. Tristan Wirfs, I mean, he gave up one sack to Khalil Mack in Chicago uh, when no one played well, and that was it for the year. Over 1,070-something snaps, one sack, with no training camp and no preseason games. Um, you want to talk about Antoine Winfield Jr.? Sure, his dad, famous father, same name, 14 years in the NFL, trained him since he was five, still watched his tape with him every night. But the maturity level of that guy, he wasn't perfect. He, he had some games he'd like to do over again, one of them being the, the Kansas City game in November um, when, uh, you know, when, when Tyreek Hill went off for 200 in the first quarter. But um, mature beyond his years, playmaker, filled up the stat sheet, uh, you know, just just a a, a, a tremendous big time player making huge plays. I remember the strip sack in the New Orleans game. Go back and watch that game. New Orleans is about to go up 14 points. Um, they complete a pass for a first down across midfield, and you know he he strips Jared Cook. Um, Devin White picks it up, and the Bucks make a rally and come back and and end up beating the Saints. Um, the interception, you know, in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, just, just enormous plays. You can even go down to Tyler Johnson, um, who was their fifth-round pick. And Tyler Johnson didn't get on the field very much, you know, because they had so many receivers. Um, but when he played, he made an impact, a th- huge third-down catch at New Orleans, just a spectacular acrobatic catch, uh, drawing the pass interference in Green Bay to seal that game. So, you know, you look at the class, and, and you know, it was tough for those guys not getting to play, um, being, you know, buried on the depth chart. Uh, having no training camp, all that stuff, uh, and then the ones that had to jump in right away. 
I just think that they've done a better job of finding the right guys, finding the right makeup personally and personality-wise to fit what is a, a, a very veteran team in parts and a very um, you know a successful one and an unselfish team. Uh, and I think the Bucks will continue to, to do that, and they, they deserve a lot of credit for it. All right, the Rays will see if they can continue with this undefeated road trip in Kansas City, and the uh, Lightning will be off, and we'll have Tom Jones, my former radio partner, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute. He'll join us uh, for the next couple of days as well. Thanks for listening. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 